Welcome to McGonigal's Chronicles, Making Montana Connections. I'm KRTD KXLH anchor Tim McGonigal. The Black Eagle Brewery near Great Falls is one of more than 90 breweries in Montana. Pictures on the walls here tell the story of how the big stack helped form the fabric of this area, and beers on tap like Smelterman Blonde pay homage to the workers who built the community. When it comes to the history of Montana, the brewing of beer is a tradition as old as Big Sky Country itself, a history lining the pages of a new book by Missoula author Ryan Newhouse. Recently, I had a chance to talk to him about his in-depth look into the Treasure State's beloved beverages. He discussed some of the innovative marketing techniques brewers use to peddle their products, the difficulties for brewers brought on by Prohibition, and more. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Ryan Newhouse. Well, Ryan Newhouse, uh, thank you so much for joining us today. And uh, we're going to be talking about uh, your latest book. It's called Brewing in Montana. But before we do that, tell me a little bit about yourself, your background, and uh, uh, just just what's the Ryan Newhouse uh, abbreviated version story, I guess. <laughs> oh, well, thank you, Tim. I appreciate that. Um, I have been in Montana now for just over 20 years. And uh, I came out uh, once to visit and volunteer in Yellowstone National Park, kind of spent a summer before I graduated college uh, exploring various national parks, uh, including, uh, including Yellowstone and, and the Tetons. And, and uh, I was going to school back in, in Tennessee, uh, which is where my family's from. And I had just decided that summer that uh, Montana was the place to be. So I ended up graduating and then uh, working on getting into graduate schools. And uh, uh, what I say is luckily I didn't get into any of them. So <laughs> uh, even, even though I had looked hard at uh, University of Montana in Missoula, so I decided uh, I would get to pick where I wanted to live. And I moved to Missoula, uh, having never seen that city. Uh, I spent a year kind of uh, getting some residency and uh, applied the next year and got into graduate school. And since then, I've never really had a, a reason to leave and uh, set down roots and had kids. And uh, all along the way, uh, beer has been part of that st story for me. I've been a writer for uh, just as long, for 20 years, and kind of got invited to write about uh, local places to eat and drink for some mm -hmm. regional and national magazines. And of course, in doing that, got to meet several of the local uh, breweries that we had around the state. And once I started writing about beer and meeting the people who were making it, and of course, meeting the people who were drinking it, I uh, became uh, lifelong friends with a lot of people. And uh, the and the beer has just always been with me and something that I've been happy and, and uh, uh, pretty blessed to uh, promote and, and discuss and learn about, and learn about the history and learn about mm -hmm. what's going on even today. Yeah, beer is um, is a part of Montana history, and it's a part of Montana's past, present, and probably will be a part of its uh, future, too, because breweries keep popping up, seems like, every week, maybe even every day. I don't know. I mean, there's, there's Just uh, some of the weirdest places. No, I shouldn't say weirdest places, but some of the places you would probably not think would have a brewery have, have breweries in Montana. Absolutely. And that's always been the case. You know, we really do have 150 plus year brewing history and breweries were one of the first buildings constructed in any new place that might have had a mining claim or, uh, you know, a new stop along the railroad. Uh, that and maybe the church were the first two, often the first two uh, buildings constructed in any township that uh, may, we may still have today or many little towns that uh, unfortunately we don't have anymore. But there's always been uh, artifacts and remnants and histories of, of little breweries uh, in, in those sort of small quaint places. 
Yeah. So the new book is called Brewing in Montana. And uh, mm-hmm. I had a chance to look through it and uh, very interesting, especially a lot of photographs. And it, it's, uh, you know, not only uh, to me, what struck me, not only about the beer and the beer history of Montana, but you can also learn about history besides beer in Montana. There's some uh, important things and some facts that people maybe did not know in there. Absolutely. And I'd have to say that uh, this book would not even be possible without the continued work from Steve Lozar in Lozar's Montana Brewery Museum. And he's up in Polson. He has a great museum uh, that's usually available by appointment. And I got to spend a lot of time up there, which is where a lot of these images came from, and learn and research uh, with him by my side to, to learn about these stories. And what is uh, so amazing was is one of the most impressive things about the Montana brewing history is all of the the brewery memorabilia, the breweriana, the the advertising, and the ways that breweries advertise their beers and their products and their breweries um, over the decades and century. Uh, and that was the neatest part to find everything from you know a, a comb that you would you know brush your hair with to uh all kinds of napkins or, or various signages that uh that were just showed the ingenuity and the creativity that these brewers uh, had and that that's that to me is the neatest thing and we montana can trace its history back you know so many years but we've we've got cool ties to national and renowned breweries even today uh, a lot of brewers that started um big names lair kind and, and the such that just moved once they started a brewery in montana they might have gone on and and uh founded some bigger breweries like olympia um we have in montana has brewing ties to paps blue ribbon mm-hmm. uh, even so it's kind of neat to see montana as part of the thread work uh to today's national beer scene as well one of the things i thought was interesting in reading about the uh in the great fall section of the book there was a picture mm-hmm. of a small brush and then when you explain the picture it's the little brushes that uh umpires baseball umpires used to to dust off the plate and it had the uh, was it the great ball select uh that one may have been i was looking at that volk uh okay was the first brewery uh probably to pay taxes in the great falls area so that's (laughs) one of the oldest in that great falls area and it is it's at a little uh brush and it's amazing that we even still have this art type of artifact Mm -hmm. and it was there it was for the umpires to sweep the plates clean you know and they get dusted up from batters there or or people coming in sliding into home but <laughs> there it was just a little touch of of uh of brewing uh brewing advertising for for volk now yeah. yeah it's it's amazing like you said all the different things there were matchbook covers there were uh, all kinds of things uh, i i wonder sometimes uh, in, in reading your book how these uh had, had we had social media back then uh these guys <laughs> would have had a field day i think Absolutely. Uh, You know, one of my favorite stories is not even a piece of actual advertising, but uh, Missoula Brewing Company, which uh, created Highlander beer and uh, which Missoula Brewing Company lasted in Missoula until 1964 and uh, even into the 60s. And this story was uh, passed on to me from from Steve Lozar, but they 
ran uh, the brewery ran an advertising campaign via the radio uh so we're talking about social media it was always the radio and everybody listened to it and they ran a campaign where they would use a phone book and call the brewery or the radio station would call random listeners and if a uh, you know, of course, we didn't have caller ID back in the 50s and mm-hmm. 60s, but if a person answered their telephone saying, hi, Highlander, hi, they would actually <laughs> win a case of beer or such, wow. like they would win free beer. And so Steve was passing on the information that his own mother to this day or or when she was around, the, uh, she'd still answer the phone no matter who called, hi, Highlander, hi, and it was just an impactful <laughs> sort of way. So I guess that's... Uh, well, maybe one of the early like things going viral. Uh, yeah. That was a campaign that stuck in in people's head to this day. Yeah. Now you mentioned uh, Steve Lozar. Uh, is is he affiliated with the? I think it's called the Glacier Brewing Company in in Polson? You know, he does not have any ownership of that company, uh, but he's partnered with them there. Uh, he is uh, on the board for the uh, uh, Montana State Historical Society. Okay. So he's done a lot of work and a lot of talks there. Um, but yeah, that brewery there, which has a long history, is is owned separately. And, and for the longest time, uh, it's not there anymore unfortunately but they had a the sign is not there they mm-hmm. had a, a a replica uh that hung over the glacier brewing company uh dual entryway that was a replica of the original hs gilbert brewery uh which was the state's first legal brewery uh and it was just a neat p- piece of history uh there but yeah steve but steve's uh, museum is in polson sure. uh, okay. and it's just uh, an incredible incredible place yeah i've been to the glacier brewing company uh, a couple of times and really enjoy it and uh in the book you talk about uh, uh they have a lot of uh historical pictures and uh it's, it's kind of like a trip back in time for for montana's history of beer too so uh it people get to Polson is it's great <laughs> yeah 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 and you're right on the way you can see all kinds of breweries within uh you know an easy driver there but uh glaciers is, is stunning and they they do they have a lot of history there on those walls yeah. Uh, you know, um, also, and, and this is not your first Montana beer book. I think you wrote another yeah. book uh, called uh, a Gu- uh, Montana Beer, A Guide to uh, Breweries in, in Big Sky Country. Tell us what, what that one's about. Oh, that was such a fun project to write. Um, and then that one's uh, a little dated. In fact, I, I joke around that it was probably out of date by the time it went to publishing, because <laughs> as you and I were just talking about, breweries seem to pop up overnight uh, right. or can be. Uh, so I got invited to profile all the breweries that were open uh, at that time, about 2014. Uh, and there, I think in that book, there were about 30 something, 36 breweries. Uh, although today we have 92 in operation in the state right now uh and that was just a great project because i got to you know either sit down for most of them or go to the brewery or talk to the owners and and ask them that question like why a brewery like why what made you want to open a brewery and the stories range they range from like i've been a home brewer and all my friends like my beer to just while well, wanting a place to have for their community in which they were born and raised to say, you know, I want a meeting place. I want a place for all of my uh, community to come and enjoy and discuss and have a good beer. 
so that was a really fun project to get to know the histories of uh, which breweries were in operation at the time. And I'm, I'm happy to say that most of those are still in operation and thriving. Uh, we lost a few along the way, unfortunately, mm-hmm. that happens. Uh, but it was a that was a really cool project and uh, opened the door for me to start work on this more historical book, which is talking about all the breweries that once were and, and are no longer. So it covers basically the the current book is like 1860s till again, those last two breweries closed uh, in 64 and 68, uh, 1964 and 1968. And so we get to see what, uh, what the foundation of Montana brewing history was. Yeah. And in your study of the brewing history, uh, what, what kind of a role impact, I guess, did uh, prohibition play in uh, Montana? Oh. Uh, a substantial one yeah it really did uh it was a major shift in our own history it was as it was nationally and even internationally uh, a lot of the brewers breweries that we had uh we lost um and, and in fact uh, according to steve lozar's research um he had tracked he's tracked down a hundred and one hundred and ninety seven breweries that Montana had at one time that are no longer in existence. So, you know, nearly 200 um, have gone by by the wayside. But prohibition was, uh, it was substantial. You know, those breweries that could maybe shift and make, you know, non-alcoholic soda drinks or be able to like can or bottle, even at that time, mostly bottling, uh, they had a fair shot at, at surviving. Uh, I would imagine that there's a few that uh, still sort of did things in the <laughs> in the back room and yeah. probably illegally. But it, unfortunately, that that prohibition set it up where once uh, it was repealed, the, those larger breweries that could that could have uh, withstood that uh, that long time away from making beer still had a production line so they could bring back beer pretty quickly and get it distributed, uh, which was unfortunately not the case for a lot of the smallest breweries that we had in operation at the time. They, they couldn't package uh, anything and they couldn't make the product that they knew how to make. Uh, there was just no way for the breweries to survive, but uh, definitely several did and, uh, and we're grateful that they did. Yeah. Um, I grew up in Helena, so I'm kind of familiar with the Kessler Brewery. But when I was growing up, I was too young to drink beer. I may or may not have uh, had a few glasses here and there before I turned legal age, but I won't uh, expand (laughs) on that. But uh, the Kessler Brewery played obviously a big role in Helena and and in Montana Brewing as well. Uh, Talk a little bit about the Kessler Brewery and the history of that. You know, Kessler Brewery had, uh, there's, I guess there's honestly, there's two phases of that Kessler Brewery. There, there was a version of it um, that sort of rose up from the ashes in the 1980s that, uh, that uh, lasted a little long while. And that was probably the one that's the closest related to all of our breweries today. Um, but the original Kessler Brewery uh, was uh, a substantial force. And, it, and there's even remnants of that building, I think, still today mm-hmm. uh, that is in that Helena area. But they were able to produce uh, a lot of beer and a lot of advertising um, from from early on. They were, I think, Helena's one of Helena's first breweries uh, to exist. But they had a neat, uh, you know, they're the ones that uh, 
I relate back to some of our current brewing laws that might seem a little quirky to some uh, mm-hmm. some of our visitors. Uh, and one of those was not being able to to store your beer exactly where it was made. And there's a couple of photographs there in the book that show off a little side building mm-hmm. that once the brew beer was made and or put in barrels before it was being carted off, often on horse carts, uh, it would get stored in this little small building. And uh, there'd be a little tunnel underground that would it had to be like 50 feet away from the brewing process. So it was uh, I looked at Gessler as one of those breweries that had to kind of navigate uh, some quirky early alcohol laws that Montana had and, and still has it today uh, in some degree. Uh, so I I like them. I like their story. I, I just think that uh, it, it, again, showed ingenuity and creativity for how these breweries can uh, can do well. Uh, but Again, all of the breweries, if you look at almost all of them, there's some sort of, uh, you know, it's from immigrants that were coming uh, from various mm-hmm. countries that brought with them literally centuries of brewing knowledge passed down family to family. And when they got here to Montana for either, you know, starting a, a ranch agriculturally or, or working mines or mining claims, uh, they brought uh, a wealth of knowledge and recipes and passion for beer. Another, another interesting thing I thought about the, the Kessler Brewery Company was, uh, as, as we talk about marketing and advertising, they had a calendar that they uh, distributed and it kind of oh, evolved yes. over time. And that was that was really interesting. And, and you know, I don't know, maybe if you... Um, people usually use their phones for their calendars now, but uh, yeah. uh, these days... Uh, some of the things they said on the calendar and some of the pictures they mm-hmm. had were probably kind of considered risque for the for the time. And I don't know if you could get away with that today. <laughs> Certainly. Absolutely. Uh, those uh, those images there uh, for the Kessler calendar were uh, were stunning in, you know, not just a it, just a really interesting way for for what you're uh, what you're describing there. But yes, to, to be able to. Uh, have basically early pinup models, you know, mm-hmm. as you say, if we we think back of the Marilyn Monroe type time, <laughs> uh, scantily clad right. uh, women, and you know that's something that has uh, been used in advertising in lots of different ways, and it certainly was by by Kessler, but it was a very it's very large when I was uh, photographing and scanning these images in. I mean, these were very sizable. Uh, uh, posters uh with the calendar and but they were also became sort of keepsakes you think of a modern yes calendars today are all digital they're on our phone but even if you you do have a paper calendar at home often it's you know it's thrown once the year is gone it's thrown but something like what kessler was doing uh became you know something that pep people kept you know stored away it was it was artwork it was beautiful artwork it was handcrafted in a lot of ways you know these were original hand paintings that were that were copied into it but uh those uh, you know just shows that how much times have changed when you look at things like that there's a couple of other uh key images in the in the book here that uh you know even looked at some of the that tackled with some of the more difficult topics like segregation and mm-hmm. and things like that and you know breweries were not immune to that yes they were community community minded uh gathering location but they were not immune to 
what was going on in the world at that time. And, and that stretches back. There's great images and references to, you know, what the world was going through in World War uh, II, uh, at least uh, post-prohibition, uh, that these 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 things were were considered um and in issues back then so yeah it is fun to flip through and and see what uh, what people were doing what they were getting away with and uh how they marketed beer and it would be interesting to see what uh what could what could pass these days i don't know if the kessel <laughs> brewing calendar could could work for 2023 <laughs> right yeah. Well, Ryan, I know that uh, you probably can't mention brewing history in Montana without bringing up Butte, and uh, that beer in Butte just kind of seems synonymous, especially back in the you know the late eighteen hundreds, early nineteen hundreds. Uh, mm-hmm. You know when you had the the mining industry and uh, all the immigrants coming uh, to Butte, uh, so so they had all kinds. Of, they had Irish, they had German, they had just all kinds of uh, people, and they all had kind of their own specialty beers uh that that they brewed there right they did they did it was very much uh one of the things that butte did that i have seen now traveling you know around the country today is the way that uh these neighborhood breweries would would operate you know it was we think of uh, you know a brewery per town but then when you get into some of the places even today you could point to a place like portland but definitely like butte was an example of this of of neighborhood breweries where people of different ethnicities from different country countries would have uh, a, a more you know their own style of, of beer or lager uh but butte uh maybe literally or figuratively was at the center of montana's beer history mm-hmm. um they had i think the famous slogan of, of i think it was centennial that was a million glasses a day uh, <laughs> that they were uh claimed to have produced or people would consume uh but butte also had a really neat row of uh tap rooms you know each little brewery would have their brewing space but then there would be a, a, a its corresponding tap room and you could see so there were some images of like this brewery then a bar and then this other brewery and it'd be lined up there uh one of my favorite images from the book is uh right post prohibition uh there's a gentleman like almost on one knee and he's about to tap a keg and and i believe the the story of that image is probably the first keg or a barrel of beer that was tapped uh once prohibition was repealed and and that happened in butte uh no no, almost no better fitting place to (laughs) welcome back uh alcohol into the state than than in butte but it's a it's a fun town Butte's uh, current uh, brewing scene is is one story steeped in history uh, mm-hmm. with the Butte Brewing Company back in operation uh, as a brand. Uh, that's a great place to visit. Quarry Brewing, obviously paying homage to the the rich mining history that uh, that the town has had. And Quarry was the first to be in Butte after decades and decades of no brewery. Uh, so it's, again, it's uh, it's one of those places that you got to go explore, uh, to, both for its history and and what they've got going on today. All right. Well, I know there's much more in the book, uh, which is called Brewing in Montana. And how can people uh, get a copy of the book? How how yeah. how is it available? Um, it's going to be available in in nearly all your favorite uh, bookstores. Okay. Um, uh, so we're uh, the publisher has uh, just been a great 
great uh, partner in that. Uh, they're going to get it in a lot of these local bookstores. Uh, it would be available online as well for any of your, your favorite on time. Uh, online retailers um but of course if a, a, a book your local bookstore doesn't have it you can ask for it it's from uh, arcadia publishing so they're they're going to make it available it should be out uh, by october 3rd so just okay. around the corner uh mm-hmm. just in time for Oktoberfest season okay. <laughs> and good fall drinking and uh yeah it'll be it'll be around Great. ryan do you have any other uh, beer related uh literary projects in the works or Oh, goodness. Well, I can say I'm certainly still doing the research glass <laughs> by glass. Uh, yeah, there. Uh, I would like to honestly update uh, and, and create another book that just talks about where we're at today. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm always my other side project has been uh, I was the create I am the creator of the Montana Brewery Passport. Okay. Uh, so just keeping that one updated uh, year after year. <laughs> is a project in and of itself uh so getting that exploring but but i'll probably do a couple more uh a couple more beer projects here and there that uh continue to showcase what we what we are as a state the fact that uh, we're number two in the country for barley production uh that we have the second largest malting facility in the world in great falls uh so when we have incredible water uh, and we have a great place to explore so getting to the breweries is going to be half the half the adventure so um nothing definitive yet but uh, i'll I'll keep doing my darndest to uh, enjoy all these great beers and yeah. and the stories will certainly come from that. And enjoying those great beers throughout Montana, you're you're supporting Montana farmers, so it's win-win for everybody. <laughs> it certainly is. All it right. certainly is. You've been listening to a conversation with Missoula author Ryan Newhouse, whose new book, Brewing in Montana, details the history of beer in the Treasure State. It's available through Arcadia Publishing starting October 3rd and will also be in Montana bookstores. A special thanks also to Black Eagle Brewing Company and Black Eagle. I hope you enjoy the podcast and invite you to offer feedback and guest suggestions and rate the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And you can also follow McGonagall's Chronicles through Facebook and Twitter. I'll be back soon with another guest with a Montana connection. Until then, for McGonagall's Chronicles, I'm Tim McGonagall.